Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. on the world's most devastating military mission. The Enola Gay, with Colonel Paul Tibbetts at the controls, was about to drop the first atomic bomb, a weapon conceived by a group of international scientists based at Los Alamos in the United States. So far, no one knew exactly what effect the bomb would have, either on the unsuspecting inhabitants below or on the crew of the plane itself. They were soon to find out. The bomb went off. The whole inside of the airplane just lit up as if someone had set off a flashbulb. And then we had to wait. This was our big worry is what would the blast do when the blast got to the airplane? And finally the blast did arrive. It was like being in an ash can and getting someone kicking. Then we uh, crowded to the window and uh, saw uh, just the whole city completely covered in smoke with this very tall mushroom cloud rising from it. President Truman had already threatened the Japanese with a rain of ruin from the air, the like of which has never been seen on this earth. When the truth was revealed, his words seemed an understatement. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you just listened to a YouTube video of the Hiroshima atomic bomb detonation, which happened August 6, 1945. It was a pivotal event in world history. You know, most people want to just um, ignore this event. But this event was a prophetic event in world history, which signified that we are certainly in what I like to describe the nuclear bomb generation. My name is Kennard Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Uh, today we're, we're focusing on the second seal in the book of Revelation. I've been doing a Bible study on the book of Revelation for I think about a couple of months now. And so if you really want to know what this book, uh, the meaning of this book, how it will affect you and everyone else on this planet that's still alive. Please read the book. The book 
is open now for anyone that desires to want to understand it. In the first chapter of the book of Revelation, it states the following. I'm going to read this in the King James Version. The revelation of Jesus Christ, reading this in the King James Version, uh, Yeshua Messiah is his Hebrew name, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John. And in verse 2, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Verse 3, blessed is he that reads and they that hear. Hebraically, that means understand the words of this prophecy. This entire book of Revelation is prophecy. And keep those things which are written there for the time is at hand. And so when you understand this, turn to Daniel because the the book of Revelation is linked to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. Daniel was one of the wisest men who ever lived, but he did not understand the words he wrote. In verse 4 of Daniel chapter 12, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, The book of what? Well, the prophecies that God gave Daniel that are in the book of Revelation. To the time of the end. The time of the end is certainly after this program. I I hope I would have proved to you that this is the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and that's what people are doing. There's also many people running to and fro for knowledge, but that's also indicating that we are living in a society of rapid transportation today. Um. I recently went to Florida last year. Uh, if I would have drove there, it would have took me two or three days. But by airplane flight, it only took me about um, four hours to get there. So um, that's rapid transportation, ladies and gentlemen. And it's thousands of miles in a little and in, in a few hours. Uh, that's an example of rapid transportation. Of course, we have trains, we have cars. So many shall run to and fro. And knowledge shall be increased. In the 21st century, I don't think there's any any other century other than the, probably the days of Noah, where knowledge has been increased like this, where you can put anything in the Google search engine. I say Google search engine because it is the best search engine. There's other search engines, but Google is the primary and standard um, search engine of choice for people. If you put anything in the search engine, it'll pop up in front of your face. So knowledge shall be increased. In particular, this movement toward understanding that the law of God is the law of Moses. By the way, if you think I don't know what I'm talking about there, you should listen to the uh, feature program uh, that I have advertised on the Blog Talk radio page, uh, which is entitled, Did Jesus um, Command Us to Keep Only Six Commandments? All right, so please listen to that. But anyway, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. You might as well put in there 21st century. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And so Daniel, in verse 5, says, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on one side of the bank of the river and the other on the other side of the bank of the river. In verse 6, And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the, on the waters of the river, how long shall the, be the end of these wonders? And so everyone's trying to figure this out. They're writing books, making money and all that. Everyone's trying to figure this out, and this is in the Bible. Verse 7, And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, 
when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, that's one year, times two years and a half. That's a half of a year. That's three and a half years. And so if everybody's wondering when this, this, this trouble is going to start that Daniel prophesied about, it's going to start uh, at a time that's going to initiate three and a half years. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people during this period of time during the three and a half years, the, the power of the holy people will be scattered. All these things shall be finished. So that is your answer. You want to know the time period of this great trouble is not seven years, as people are incorrectly teaching, is three and a half years. Time, times, and a half. That's what your Bible says. Believe your Bible and only believe a man when he's proving it out of the scriptures. That is the, the protocol that you need to use to, to, to properly understand the Bible. All right, so the focus on the book of Revelation is the three and a half years, folks. The three and a half years. The three and a half years. Focus on that. Three and a half years. That's how long it is. Now, the Bible tells you also when this, this three and a half years will start. And we, let's look at Matthew chapter 24. And I'm talking about this because it's gonna, a war will provoke this. <laughs> and that's what the, 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 the second seal is. Uh, that's what I'm leading into here. Matthew chapter 24. So we know that, that the, the first seal, I explained to you the first seal. The first seal is deception. That's the first thing that came out of his mouth in verse 4. Take heed that no man deceive you. Many, I'm telling you, many don't understand this. Uh, even among believers, and what I mean by believers, people that understand they need to keep the Sabbath and the holy days and so forth, uh, they're very confused about the deception. They get, even amongst themselves, they're deceived about things. And then when I try to tell them, they get, per they, they get mad at me. But anyway, all right, so the second thing that he mentioned here, because remember, he's the one that opens the seals. He opens the seals for us to understand. And I want you to hold your place here. Uh, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 5, uh, verse 6, rather. And I'm going to turn back to Revelation. I want to make a point here in terms of this book being open now for people to understand in the 21st century. Um, in Revelation chapter 22, it states the following, if I can find it here. It says uh, about this book. Revelation 22, verse 10. And he said unto me, seal not the sayings of this prophecy, of this book. So Daniel 12, verse 4, he tells Daniel to seal it because it wasn't the 21st century at that time. I'm trying to talk as plainly as I can here. <laughs> it is the 21st century now. Revelation 22, verse 10, he said unto me, seal not the sayings of this prophecy, for the time is at hand. It is the, the 21st century. This, this book of Revelation was written primarily, folks, for the 21st century. It was written for other centuries too, but this book really is for the 21st century because the prophecies of this saying was sealed until this time. Uh, this scripture proves it. And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. And so who's unsealing it? Well, of course, the Word of God is through John and through his servants today because this book is for his servants. And in Revelation chapter 1, and those who want to become his servants. Because it says 
in Revelation 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Okay? So things will shortly come to pass in the century. I don't know what shortly means uh, in terms of how God the Father is thinking about it, but the good news is that he is certainly he's going to be coming back here in this century. Even scientists realize that. They don't even believe, a lot of them don't even believe the Bible. There's no way on earth we're going to be able to survive this century, uh, what we're doing to ourselves. No way. All right. Unless a miracle happens, unless there's a renaissance of realizing that God exists and, and that he rules over us and so forth. That's the only way that that's going to exist. All right, so let's get back to um, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 5. Now, the second thing he mentions, he's, un he's unveiling the seals here because he's the only one that can. Verse 5. For many shall, oh, I'm sorry, verse 6, Matthew 24, verse 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. In verse 7, for nations shall rise up against nation. That word nation in the Greek means families. So we'll have strife. So he's talking about all kinds of war here. Not just a, a political, geopolitical war, world war. He's also talking about internal strife within families. Uh, there's going to be conflict, and there shall be famines. Well, that's the, the third seal for next week. <laughs> but anyway, let's focus just on war, all right? Let's focus on the war right now. All right. War, let me ask you a question. What do you think was the first war? The first war of any kind. The first war of any kind was Cain versus Abel. That was the first war that's, that was started. And that war, unfortunately, involves killing people. Um, and it's something that, that God doesn't like, but he, there's going to have to be a war when he comes back. And that's something that he's going to eliminate when he comes back. Um, Isaiah chapter 2 states that, Isaiah chapter 2, Verse 4, this is the one of the prophecies of the Messiah. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, which is interesting because that tells you that a lot of people need to be corrected. He shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against them. There will no longer be any war. Neither shall they learn war anymore. So that, he's going to eliminate war. That's the good news. But unfortunately, war has to come for war to be eliminated. So let's go back to Revelation. Revelation chapter 6. Verse 3. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. In verse 4. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat there and to take peace from the earth, obviously war, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. Okay? And so, where do wars come from? The Bible kind of defines reason why we have wars. In James chapter 4, verse 1, it says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? 
Become they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. And see, there's something wrong with our requests when we are in a war state of mind. See, verse 3, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. And then in the context of this, verse 4, he says, You adulterers and adulterers, says, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is hostility with God or enmity? Whoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And so this is deep, folks, but if you want to be in a world, if you are attracted to the world, you are at war with God. Do you understand that? You are warring with God when you want to love the world. I don't know if you've ever realized that before, but that's true. First John, let's go to First John chapter 2. Because if you're the enemy of God, then you, you, you're at war with him. And you don't want to be at war with him. Verse John 2, verse 15, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, we, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh. Uh, a perfect example of that is all the porno and, and all the, the, the lust on TV of women and men and all that. And, and the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. Ooh, I got my Mercedes Benz. Look at you. you. You don't have nothing. You know, that's an example of the many. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Now, here's the key verse. Verse 17. And the world passeth away. He doesn't approve of this world, folks. It's just passing away. And the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God will abide forever. So that is something that we must understand, ladies and gentlemen. Now, many people will challenge me and other people and say, well, are we living in the end times? Well, okay, let's, let's get real, folks. Let's get real. I'm going to prove this to you today. Now, I'm going to read this from the nuclear weapon article on Wikipedia. It says, two nuclear weapons have been used in the course of where, where, um, warfare. Both times by the United States near the end of World War II on, on August 6, 1945, a uranium gun-type fission bomb codenamed Little Boy, which is a little joke, I guess, because it, it may have been a little boy, but it did great damage, was detonated over the Japanese city of Hiroshima. Three days later, on August 9th, a plutonium implosion-type fission bomb codenamed Fat Man was exploded over Nagasaki, Japan. Two bombings resulted in the deaths of approximately 200,000 people, mostly civilians, from acute injuries sustained from the explosions. The role of the bombings in Japan's surrender and their ethical status remained the subject of scholarly and popular debate. So anyway, uh, the Federation of American Scientists estimates that there are more than 17,000 nuclear warheads in the world as of 2012, with around 4,300 of them considered operational ready for use. Now, this is the interesting thing about the situation we're in today. This, this began in 1945, but um, a Jew, a famous Jew by the name of Albert Einstein, stated that in 1950, uh, with the creation of the um, atomic, not the atomic bomb, thermonuclear bomb, which is much more powerful than the, the bomb that was used for Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, we at that point, um, into the stage where we could destroy all of mankind. That's what he stated. So even though 1945, 
was the genesis or the beginning of us being able to reach that point. We really didn't reach that point to ten years later. All right, uh, not ten years, five years later. So this article that I'm going to quote from from the um, the board of directors, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, which was created in 1947, two years, approximately two years after the first detonation of, of an atomic bomb. Um, they state here, the name of this article is, it is five minutes. It says, we stand at the brink of a second nuclear age. Not since the first atomic bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki has the world faced such perilous choices. North Korea's recent test of a nuclear weapon, you know, they're constantly doing that, or trying to anyway. Iran's nuclear ambitions and renewed U.S. emphasis on the military utility of nuclear weapons, the failure to adequately secure nuclear materials, and the continual presence of some 26,000 nuclear weapons in the United States and Russia are a simple symptomatic of a larger failure to solve the problems posed by the most destructive technology on Earth. This is, again, the most destructive technology on Earth. All right? And the the doomsday clock, five minutes to midnight, and I certainly believe that God inspired these scientists who played a role in creating the atomic, they ought to know, right, uh, to warn us how much time we have left before he comes back. And right now, currently, I don't think most people realize the significance of this doomsday clock. It's at five minutes right now. That's not a lot of time, folks. That's one proof of the many that proves to you that we are certainly living in the last times. And this doomsday clock wasn't created until 1947. The nuclear bomb generation began in 1945, August 6, 1945. And we've been in this the state that, that Yeshua stated, or Jesus stated in Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, verse 22, since 1945. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. When did we reach that capability? Well, the beginning stages of it was in 1945, but in 1950, and if you want to be really exact, in 1952, because that's when the United States detonated the first thermonuclear bomb uh, in November, of 1952, then we reached the stage based on a Jew, <laughs> which is interesting, what um, Einstein said, even though he said it was 1950, between 1950 and 1952, we reached the capability of fulfilling this prophecy in Matthew chapter 22, uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 22, and except those days should be shortened. What days? The days of the nuclear capabilities that we have today. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. No flesh would be saved. We didn't reach that capability until between the 1950s and 1950, yeah, between the early 1950s, between 1950 and 1952. Please remember that. That'll help you understand we are living in the end times. And except those days, what days? The days of, of our nuclear uh, bomb capabilities, thermonuclear bomb capabilities, hydrogen bomb capabilities, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be short. And it's not just nuclear bombs. It's the most dangerous technology. But we have other, we have other technology. Uh, we have, um, we have uh, uh, chemical warfare. We have a lot of other things that we could destroy the earth with as, as well. But certainly, 
if someone asked me what was the most destructive weapon we had to destroy each and every person off this earth, an animal, it's certainly our thermonuclear bombs. All right, so that that right there should tell you um, the dangerous times that we are living in today, folks. And this article plainly states, and I may go a little over today because I, I, I want to uh, prove my point here as far as the dangerous times that we're living in. So if it cuts off um, in the next five minutes, uh, simply be patient and wait um, for another half hour, and then uh, the... Uh, rest of the entirety of the program should be in the archives for you to listen to. But in this article, Five Minutes to Midnight, it says, in that relatively small nuclear explosion, 100,000 people were killed and a city destroyed. 50 of today's nuclear weapons could kill 200 million people. I calculated this. I did a little math. And it would only take 1,750 thermonuclear bombs to destroy every man and woman and child off this earth. And that's with, of course, a population of 7 billion people. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we certainly are living in the time that you, you sure described that if he did not come, no flesh would be saved alive. We are living in the no flesh would be saved alive generation, okay? Because we have the capability of wiping out every man, woman, and child off this planet. And so that, that's something that you, you have to understand. It's something that uh, you must accept. You can't put your head in the sand and, and think that everything's going to be okay because I feel everything's okay with me, and, and, you, and you can't think that way because that's, that's um, quite frankly, that's not a good way to think. And, and uh, we can't get along with each other. We're having conflicts. Um, uh, the Bible plainly states only by pride comes conflict. Okay, and and uh, if you don't want to um, acknowledge that world has some serious issues, then uh, you're, you're just fooling yourself. You're just fooling yourself, and and you just <laughs> you're gonna experience if you if you are alive at the time of the coming of of the Messiah, then you're gonna experience a lot of hardship. A lot of hardship, and uh, you will learn from that hardship. You will learn from that hardship. And the Bible certainly reveals that in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9, that people, generally people, really don't learn. They just don't learn unless there's, I mean, this is the average person anyway. They don't learn until there's, there's a lot of destruction, there's a lot of chaos. Uh, there's a lot of things happening in the world for you to realize, hey, there's something wrong. There's something that I, I need to, to take a look at. Now, there's another scripture that proves you that we're in the end times, too. In Revelation, I think it's in Revelation chapter 9, where it talks about the uh, 200 million man army, if I can find it here. Here we go. Um China has an army of 200 million folks. Um, the population of the world in the first century was 200 million. So obviously this is, has to be talking about the 21st century. Revelation 9, verse 16. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000, and I heard the number of them. Okay, so if you just use the common sense that God has given each and every one of us, this has to be talking about the 21st century because China has the capability and other, there's a, I think the maybe India, 
because they have a lot of people, but certainly China fits this description here in Revelation 9, verse 16. The number of their troops of Calvary was twice 10,000 times 10,000, 200 million. I heard what the number was. So um, that's certainly a prophecy for the end times because, I, again, the population of the earth in the first century was just 200 million people. It was just 200 million people, folks. So let's understand that truth. And so we're living, ladies and gentlemen, in a time of war. Uh, and we need to be prepared for that. Uh, we're going to be hearing rumors of wars. There's going to be another world war coming up here soon. We need to be prepared for what's about to go down. And we need to be like Noah. We need to be prepared for uh, these things. Uh, in Revelation, uh, in Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 7, states, by faith, Noah, being forewarned by God concerning events of which yet there was no visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. By this, his faith, which relied on God, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief and became an heir and possessor of righteousness, that relation of being right into which God puts the person who has faith. So we have to be wise, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there's nothing wrong with... Um, protecting your family when you know that bad things are about to occur on this world. I have about 15 seconds. I'm about to go off the air, but I'm going to continue to talk maybe for now another 15 minutes, and then you can listen to the rest of this program in its entirety. Shalom, and, and uh, you can listen to me later on. Okay, I'm continuing on here uh, with the program. And Proverbs, Proverbs. And I'm reading this in the Amplified Version. It says, A prudent man sees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished with suffering. And so you know, I know you don't want to be in that situation. And, and God, he's providing a way out for you in Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, starting at verse 34. But take heed to yourselves and be on guard that your hearts be overburdened and depressed, weighed down with the giddiness and headache and nausea of self-indulgence drunkenness and worldly worries and cares pertaining to the business of this life. And lest that day come upon you suddenly like a trap or a noose. Verse 35, for it will come upon all who live upon the face of the entire earth. And so you, you have to be prepared, ladies and gentlemen, for what's about to go down here. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And verse 15 read this in the King James here. It says, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in a holy place. That means a holy place. A built structure. If you type in the word holy place in the New Testament, is always referring to a built structure. So Yeshua is telling you that there will be a built temple. I'm not telling you. He's telling you. It says, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolations. So it's something that we must see. Spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Stand in the holy place, a built temple. The Temple Institute, go to the templeinstitute.org for proof. They already have everything ready to build the temple and set the altar up so they can do the daily sacrifices again. Whosoever, whosoever readeth, let him understand. He put that in there. Uh, I, I know why. <laughs> because he you know that people are not going to understand what he said. 
but your Lord and Savior, and this is in red letters in the King James Version, stated that there will be a holy base, a holy place, rather, a holy place, a built structure. Let me prove this to you, because some people don't understand this. They, they, some people are preaching that there's not going to be a built temple, it's just going to be just a, a, a structure, uh, just an altar, you know, and I, I'm going to prove to you out the Bible that that is not true. Um, and the key, the key thing is out of the Bible, I'm proving it to you, all right? And in the New Testament, I'm just going to take the New Testament. Here are the scriptures that prove that holy place means a built structure. Um, all I did was type in my um, ESORT Bible program, holy place. Uh, Acts 6, verse 13, and set up false witnesses which said, This man ceased not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place. The holy place was still a built structure at that time before A.D. 69 or A.D. 70 when the Romans uh, destroyed it. Acts 21, verse 28, crying out, Men of Israel, help. This is a man that teacheth all men everywhere against the holy people and the law. And that's a false accusation because Paul didn't do that. And this place and further brought Greeks also into the temple and had polluted this holy place. Okay, again, this is talking about a built structure. Uh, Hebrews 9, verse 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, by, by his own blood he entered once into the holy place. Again, a built structure, having obtained eternal re redemption for us. Hebrews 9, verse 25, Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enter into the holy place every year. Okay, so this should be enough proof, and you can go through the Old Testament too. Holy place means a built structure. All right, Matthew 24, verse 15, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Stand in the holy place. So your Lord and Savior is telling you that there's going to be a built structure. I don't need to listen to anyone else other than my Lord and Savior. He states that there's going to be a holy place, a built structure, a temple. Now, for the icing on the cake, let's look at Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God. So already this temple of God is already built in this prophecy. And the altar, and them that worship there. And you have people preaching, or I've heard people preach, maybe they've changed their teaching, but stating the fact that there's just going to be an altar. Well, this verse tells you that there's going to be a temple that is measured, so it's already built. Uh, the altar, and them that worship there. And so there's three elements to this. Verse 2, but the court which is without the temple is already a built structure. Leave out and measure it not. It's already a built structure, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city, which is New Jerusalem, not New Jerusalem, but Old Jerusalem, <laughs> the Jerusalem on the earth, shall they thread underfoot 42 months. So 42 months is three and a half years, a time, time, and half a time. Verse 3, and I will give power, that word power is added in the King James Version, unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy 1,203 score days, clothed in sackcloth. All right, so is the beginning of the tribulation. And when he goes back, this is what John is describing. You go back to the abomination of desolation. If you understand the first abomination of desolation, it involved this ruler called Antiochus Epiphanes. And he, ran, he uh, sacked the temple. He put a, a statue of Zeus, and he also sacrificed on the altar pigs. Now, I don't know if they're going to sacrifice pigs on the altar. However, there's going to be some kind of abomination that causes desolation. That's what that really means. And you go back to the book of Daniel, you don't understand what that's talking about. And perhaps I'll do, well, I will do a program 
in detail on the abomination of desolation in the future so you'll understand. But when this happens in the end times, in the in the 21st century, uh, verse 16 in Matthew chapter 24, then let them which be in Judea or the West Bank flee into the mountains. Verse 17, let him which is on the housetop not come down and take anything out of his house. And verse 18, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And verse 19, and woe unto them that are with child and to them that get suck in those days. In other words, woe unto them that are pregnant. Verse 20, but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Shabbat day or Sabbath day. Verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. And so when the temple is built and then they start offering sacrifices and those sacrifices are stopped, that begins the three and a half years according to what Yeshua said. He told us to go back to Daniel. Let's go back to Daniel. Let's do what he said. He says, when you therefore shall see the abomination and desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in a built structure, a holy place. It's not talking about a spiritual abomination. Uh, well, it is talking spiritual, but it's also talking physical. All right, uh, let's go to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. Verse 1. This is talking about the same time period. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which stands for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book, which is the book of life. Verse 2, And many of them that sleep in the dust of earth shall wake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And then I read you verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the 21st century or the time of the end. Many shall run, this nuclear bomb generation that we live in. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased, the Internet. Verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked and beheld. There stood other two, the one on the side of the bank of the river, and the other side and on the on, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And it's not just talking about the Internet, but the Internet is a pretty good example of the knowledge explosion that we have had in the 21st century. Verse 6, And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river. I mean, we you could even take courses online. That's my point. Um, verse 6, and, and one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Verse 7, and I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand into heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever, that it should be for a time, times, and a half a time. So that was the answer to this question. How long, if you were ever wondering, how long to the end of these wonders, the, this, this great trouble, this great tribulation? And he says three and a half years. All right? The whole time period of trouble would last three and a half years. Verse 8, And I heard, but I understood not, and said, Oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? So he still didn't understand, but we can understand today because it's open to us. It's not sealed to us anymore. Anyone that's desiring the Word of God uh, and pictures the Word of God like it's their food and, and they're thirsty for it, they want to drink it and eat it, you can know this. Verse 9, and he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end, until now, until the 21st century. Okay? And then verse 10, many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. None of the wicked 
shall understand. Who are the wicked? Those who sin. And what is sin, folks? Well, there's two main definitions here in James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 17. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And then what also is a, is a definition is in 1 John 3, verse 14. We know, 1 John, um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, whoever commits sin transgresseth also the law of the Torah, the instructions of God. For sin is the transgression of the law. But sin, again, is only sin to those who know better. If you don't know better, it's not sin. God's going to have mercy on you. That's the good news. Anyway, let's go back, and that's another Bible study. Daniel chapter 12. You're only going to be judged for things that you are aware of, that you know that uh, you violated. You know that you should have did the opposite, but yet you chose to do the wrong thing. Okay? And he says that when you are wicked, that you won't understand. If you are sinning, you won't understand. And you don't repent of your sin. You won't understand these prophecies. And many people think they understand these prophecies, but when they're sinning and they're not treating the, the people uh, that, that they say that they love properly, you're not going to understand these prophecies. Daniel 12, verse 10, Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly. But he says, none of the wicked, not one, none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. The wise are those who keep the commandments of God to the best of their ability. Daniel 12, verse 11, and from the time of the daily sacrifice, the daily sacrifice will be reinstituted, structure is built. When the temple is built and the altar, and then that's when the sacrifices will begin, it will be initiated at that time. And this is what this is talking about. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that make a desolate set up, there should be 1,290 days. Many of you probably don't understand the daily sacrifice. Let me... Uh, Go to Numbers to help you understand it. Numbers chapter 28, starting at verse 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, in verse 2, Command the children of Israel, and say unto them, My offering and my bread for my sacrifices made by fire for a sweet savor to me, shall you observe the offering to me in their due season. In verse 3, And thou shalt say unto them, This is the offering made by fire which you shall offer unto the Lord. Two lambs of the first year without spot, day by day. So this is the daily sacrifice. A continual burnt offering. That's what they're going to be doing soon in Jerusalem. Verse 4, the one lamb thou shalt offer in the morning, and the other lamb thou shalt offer at the evening. And a tenth part of an ephah of flour for a meat offering mingled with the fourth part of a hen of beaten oil. It is a continual burnt offering or the daily sacrifice, which was ordained in Mount Sinai for a sweet Savior, a sacrifice made by fire unto the Lord. And a drink offering thereof shall be a fourth part of a hen for the one lamb in the holy place. In the holy place shall thou cause the strong wine to be poured unto the Lord for a drink offering. And the other lamb shall thou offer at evening as the meat offering in the morning, and as the drink offering thereof shall thou shall offer the sacrifice by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Okay, so that is the simplest way I can explain what the daily sacrifice is, according to the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. And that will occur again. And that's what Daniel is talking about. When you study the book of Daniel, that's what he's talking about in this chapter. Even though he didn't understand, he understood the sacrifice, he doesn't understand the prophetic significance of it. All right? Because he was living in, 
he wasn't living in the 21st century. <laughs> and, and, and the Lord didn't want him to know. Okay? And, and he says right here in verse 9, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until today, the nuclear bomb generation of the 21st century. Verse 10, Many shall be purified and made white and try, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Verse 11, And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Let's take a look at what the Bible says, who the wise are. Uh, hold your place here in Daniel 12, verse 11. Psalms, I think it's 110. Right. Psalm 110, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. And so if you want to understand what I'm talking about, if you want to understand the prophecies of God, it's not sealed to you. If you start obeying him and stop being wicked and stop doing things you know that are wrong, repent, and he will give you the wisdom and knowledge to understand these prophecies. I'm no different than you. I just chose to obey him. You can make that same choice. Psalm 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is also to hate evil. And Psalm 8, hate your sin. Repent of it. Psalm 8. No, yeah, Psalm 8. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. Yeah. Proverbs uh, 8, verse 13. Proverbs 8, verse 13. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way. And the forward mouth do I hate. So, you know, we, we, we've got to repent. That is the only way that any of us are going to understand these prophecies. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. This is what we really need to repent of. Only by pride comes contention. Only by pride comes war, folks. Unrighteous war, not righteous war. Okay? Uh, a quarrel, a contention, a debate, a strife. Only by pride comes You know, lately I've been learning how to avoid conflict by not even getting into an argument. If somebody doesn't want to believe the plain, like if I quote the scripture and say I don't believe that, I'm not going to try to force you to believe this. I'm not going to even try to help you understand it. You know, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, the Bible says plainly not to waste your time debating with people. And, and the Jews have been guilty of that. They, 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 um, they debate scriptures and, and they get all upset and so forth and and all that, and, and that's not, that's not uh, what the Bible commands us to do, ladies and gentlemen. In Proverbs 9, verse 7, he that reproves a scorner. Who is a scorner? A scorner in Hebrew means lutz, and it means uh, to make mouths at, to scoff, to, uh, to not take someone seriously. Okay? And I, I've been the recipient of that. People disrespecting me, not taking me serious uh, when, when I try to teach them the scriptures. He that reproveth a scorner get of himself a shame. And he that rebukes a wicked man, who's a wicked person? A person that don't want to obey what the Bible says. Gets himself a blot. Okay? And, and, and uh, when people don't obey what the Word of God says, they, 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 they're rebellious. And, and you're wasting your time. Believe me, I know from experience, you're wasting your time trying to talk to people who are rebellious. You know, leave them alone. You know, First uh, Samuel 15, verse 23. 
uh, it says this, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. The Hebrew for that is kishim, or kishim. It means divination. And so whenever you sin, you are entering the world of demons, folks. <laughs> and stubbornness is like adultery. Idolatry, rather. Spiritual adultery, of course. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Stubbornness is two things. is sin and it's idolatry. So when you're stubborn and you know you need to do right and you don't want to do it, that's sinning. And it's also idolatry because it's, it's idolatry whenever you don't want to obey God. You're obeying another God, the devil. Small g. Small g. Because, and what is this, what's the context of this? Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. And that's, that can be the Bible too, folks. The word of God is the Messiah, but the word of God also is his words in print. The word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. And here's another thing. This is a prophecy. If Because the book of Revelation, and I, and I did uh, do a Bible study on this, that the believers will become king's priests. Well, if we reject the word of God, just like Saul, we won't be a king. We will lose our kingship. It's there. A crown is waiting for us to rule with the Messiah when he comes back. But if we reject his word, he will also reject us from being king. And we don't want that. And so we need to, to stop listening to other Torah teachers. Now, not all of them are like this, but some of them, unfortunately, are like this. They have all these crazy teachings just to attract you and, and, and to get you to, to, to give them money. Um, some, I know, are doing it sincerely. They don't know what they're doing. Others are doing it, and they fool and well know what they're doing. But, but the thing is, uh, you have to be very careful of that. Now, Proverbs 9, verse 8, it says, Reprove not a scorner, that he hate thee. Let me read this in an easier version here. In the 1965 Bible and Basic English Version, it says, in verse 7, Proverbs 9, verse 7, He who gives teaching to a man of pride gives himself Get shame for himself, or a woman of pride. I've been guilty of this, I tell you, and I've, I've gotten shame for myself, and I'm not doing this anymore. He who says sharp words to a sinner gets a bad name. That has happened to me. Verse 8, do not say sharp words to a man of pride or a woman of pride, or he or she will have hate for you. That's happening <laughs> to me. Make them clear to a wise man, and you will be dear to him. It says, give teaching to a wise man, and he will become wiser. Give training to an upright man, and his learning will be increased. What's a wise man? I just showed it to you. Psalm 111, verse 10. A wise man is someone who obeys the commandments, and when they, all the commandments, not just ones. You know, there was some, a gentleman, um, it, was a, it was a nice little link on face, but it really describes a lot of people's attitude today about keeping the commandments. He says, a religion is like a buffet. And what do you do at a buffet? You choose what foods you want to eat, right? And the ones you, you don't want to eat, you know, you don't eat, right? Well, that's the way people, a lot of people view religion. They just pick and choose what commandments they want to keep, and the ones that they don't like or are not convenient, they just leave to the side. And that's not what religion is, ladies and gentlemen. That's not what, what religion is. That's not what pure worship is. And it says right here in verse 8, Do not say sharp words to a man of pride. Not to say, but you have to know who to say those words to. And I made that mistake, and I've repented of that mistake. 
Do not say sharp words to a man of pride, or he will have hate for you. Make them clear to a wise man, and you will be dear to him. In verse 9, give teaching to a wise man, and he will become wiser. Give training to an upright man, and his learning will be increased. And then in verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the start of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One gives a wise mind. And so that's very important, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm talking about this because wars occur because people have pride, and they don't want to humble themselves. And then in Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, I'm going to read this in the King James. It's a beautiful verse, a series of verses here. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22. May I, may I tell you what, I'll read this in the, yeah, I'll read this in the Amplified Version. Proverbs 1, verse 22. How long, O simple ones, open to evil? A simple one is someone that's open to evil. <laughs> Will you love being simple? And the scoffers delight in scoffing, and self-confident fools hate knowledge. And see, knowledge puffeth up. And it can cause you to be contentious. Verse 23, if you don't use it right. If you will turn, repent, do teshuva in Hebrew, that's what it means, and give heed to my reproof, behold, I, wisdom, will pour out my spirit unto you. The wisdom is a Messiah. If you don't believe me, hold your place here and me turn to a scripture. That's one of the titles of the Messiah, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. But to those who are called, whether Jew or Greek, Gentile, Christ is the power of God, and he's also the wisdom of God. <laughs> and also the, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Messiah. So, again, the, the Holy Spirit has some, certainly something to do with the Messiah. But you have right here Paul telling you uh, some of the titles of the Messiah. He's the power of God, and he's also the wisdom of God. Okay? So let's go back to... Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23. If you will turn, repent, and give heed to my reproof, behold, reproof rather, behold, I, wisdom, will pour out my spirit unto you, the Messiah will pour out his spirit unto you, and I will make my words known to you. Where, do he, where does he get his spirit? From the Father. If it's the Father's spirit, and then it's his spirit, and, and they will pour out unto you so you will understand these words that I'm speaking to you. And the words I'm speaking to you is just the words that I see here. That were inspired. Verse 24, because I have called and you have refused. Now, how does he call? How does he call? I've had people say, well, uh, try to accuse me of saying that uh, I'm not letting the Spirit work. Well, how does the Spirit work? What, the Spirit works through something. Okay? And let's understand that. In Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse 14. But how are people to call upon him whom they have not believed, and whom they have no faith, on whom they have no reliance? And how are they to believe in him, adhere to, trust in, and rely upon him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher, or understand without a preacher? Uh, that word in the King James Version, uh, is in the Greek, is keruso, and it means to herald, especially divine truth, proclaim, and publish can mean also right, all right? And verse, let's go back to Romans uh, 10, uh, verse 15. And how can men be expected to preach unless they are sent? 
and they are sent through the Holy Spirit. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings. How welcome is the coming of those who preach the good news of his good things. And that's what I do. That's what I do. That's what I do. I, I preach the word of God. And people uh, have challenged me and said, well, who set you up? Well, the Holy Spirit set me up. All right? That's who set me up. Acts 20, verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28. Take care and be on guard for yourselves and the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you, bishops and guardians or elders, to shepherd, tend, and feed and guide the church of the Lord or of God, which he obtained for himself, buying it and saving it for himself with his own blood. And so... And see, this has happened, and will continue to happen. I know that after I'm gone, ferocious wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, even from among your own selves. Men will come to the front who, by saying perverse, distorted, corrupt things, will endeavor to draw away its disciples after them to their own party. <laughs> and so, yes, that, that has occurred, and that will continue to occur, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in, this end times, in these end times. Uh, Matthew chapter 24 something too that he prophesied uh, he stated and this is talking about conflict which is war it's not just uh, geopolitical wars uh, against nations um, and Matthew 20, 24 verse 12 and the love of the great body of people will grow cold because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity and the complete Jewish Bible says Torahlessness and, and, and so it, unfortunately uh, there will be betrayals, Matthew 24, verse 10. And then many will be offended and repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey and will stumble and fall away and betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. And, and that's because of the pride. Pride, that's why we have to get rid of it. We have to become like a little child. In Matthew chapter 18, if we don't become as a little child, we will not make it in the kingdom, folks. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 4, actually verse 3. Matthew 18, verse 3, in the Amplified Version, and said, Truly I say to you, unless you repent, change, turn about, and become like little children, trusting, lowly, loving, forgiving, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven at all. Verse 4, Whoever will humble himself, therefore, and become like this little child, trusting, lowly, loving, forgiving, is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Ultimately, how are you going to have inner peace? How will the world have peace? Well, let's turn to Isaiah. Isaiah, actually Psalms, Psalms 119, 119, beginning in verse 165, states the following here. Great peace have they who love your law or your instructions. So you're going to have great peace. Nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. So if you keep the commandments of God, you become wise and you have great peace. Peace is when you have all your needs taken care of. You're not afraid of anything, okay? Um, you have inner peace. Psalm 119, verse 166 says, I am hoping and waiting eagerly for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. And so you have to do those commandments to have peace uh, in your local communities and worldwide. That's what's going to bring peace ultimately, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so you should understand that this second seal is war, and that's something that will culminate with the coming of the Messiah. He will have a war to end all wars. So, may Yah bless and keep you, 
And Yah willing, Yah is short for God. I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.